Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. It is Thursday, September 19th, 2019, and we are on site at the NAOP September program. NAOP is the Commercial Real Estate Association. Today, we have a little twist. Hayam is off traveling. He's making the world an all-around better place. And in his place, I will be your host of Takeaways, NAOP edition. I am Reed Gottesman, Vice President and Regional Director of Leasing with Harsh Investment Properties, and I am absolutely honored and excited to be hosting Takeaways today. Next to me is Sean Donosky, CEO of DC Building Group and current NAOP Chapter President. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Reed. It's great seeing you. How about this new meeting space that the Orleans Hotel unveiled today? I felt like we were in a completely different hotel. It was good. New colors, new sound, new environment. Which is fitting for what we did today at the program. New environment. That's what we were talking about today. I don't know if we could have planned that any better. I don't think we could have. So we're going to talk about our takeaways. The title of this program was New Generation, New Priorities. How the needs of the modern workforce are forever changing the built environment. We're about... 25 minutes, 30 minutes after the breakfast, and people are finally clearing out. There was quite a bit of networking going after this. It's not surprising to me because when we bring in Jim Stewart of Matter Real Estate as as kind of the driving force of this program, I'm not surprised that we had a big turnout today. I, I think he's a he's typically a pretty good draw. He's one of those known commodities that people want to come here and learn about. And for those that maybe don't know him well... I'll give his bio real quickly. Uh, he is a founding partner of Matter Real Estate Group, a real estate development company that he originally launched in 2001 as Centra. After a period of rapid growth, it says here, Jim's accurately predicted a correction in the marketplace. He instructed his team to move to cash, liquidated his own holdings, and then he moved to San Diego. And the popular folklore is that he just hung out on the beach, but what he told us today is... I actually didn't do that. I did quite a bit of research to plan his re-entry into the marketplace. Uh, so, Sean, do you know how today's program was hatched? No, I have absolutely no idea. No, well, that's okay. Normally, it's the programs committee and Haim and I, and we, we talk about what do we think will be an interesting program. And Haim had a thought. Interesting people cluster. Who's more interesting in our marketplace than Jim Stewart? And I said, you know what, that's a great idea. So he reached out to Jim Stewart and said, hey, Jim, what topic would you find to be interesting? And Jim started talking architecture. And one thing led to another, and he decided, I'm going to run with this program. The way only Jim Stewart and Rick Myers can do, we let them run with it. And this is what he came up with. So Jim brought in two practice leaders from high-profile national uh, and, and even an international architecture firm, and he brought them in from San Diego. So the first of our presenters was Tiffany English of Ware Malcolm, 
And uh, the second was Daryl Fulbright, who is the practice leader for office for all of Gensler. And Gensler's a powerhouse. They're on uh, actually four continents. I think what was really healthy is bringing people from out of market. It brought a perspective of people that are in California, a market that's going through some challenges, and then they had research and information from all over the country, and they brought it as to how it could impact Las Vegas. And that really was really what we wanted out of this program today. It was to bring in that outside perspective. We know where Vegas is today, but we want to know what's going on outside of our market and where we think we're going to go, uh, really pushing this land of opportunity that we live in forward. So I would be remiss if, uh, if I didn't mention today's program sponsor, Commercial Alliance. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship and all the effective work that they do for our industry and working with NAOP. And uh, Kathy Jones gave a little presentation. You, you care to comment on, on Kathy? Uh, she did. She gave a presentation. She talked about Commercial Alliance in Las Vegas. And many may not realize the partnership with Commercial Alliance Las Vegas and NAOP. It's, it's truly a partnership that helps grow and develop the membership. And there's a lot of cross-pollination, a lot of supporting industries together. Uh, so it's, it's really healthy that the two organizations are helping one another. Could agree more, Sean. Okay, so the format of today's program was, was a little bit different than traditionally. You want to describe the format? Normally we have a panel, we have a moderator, and generally three panelists. That's not what went down today. No, we had kind of a micro-presentation from, from each of the three individuals, talked about their background, talked about what they're seeing, and then it sat down and kind of became a question-and-answer panel-type discussion. So it was a little different format, and I thought it was very effective. Yeah, and we did go into actually a fair amount of the Q&A session with the audience afterward, right? So you felt it was an effective format? I do. I liked it, and I think uh, Jim teed it up very well. He shared some interesting statistics in the front mm -hmm. uh, to kind of set the stage. And I've got a copy of some of his statistics uh, that, that were eye-catching. Of course, he's talking about the new workforce, the millennials, the Gen X. And he's talking about what we need to be paying attention to because this new generation is going to transform the workplace. So he shared by 2024, 75% of the workforce will be Gen Z or millennials. He talked about, we can't ignore that. We can't ignore what the populist segment of workforce is going to be. He also shared, millennials are 50 times more likely to endorse their company to friends and family if they have a great workplace. They're, they're self-promoters. They're going to be the recruiting tools to go find workforce. Yeah, he, he plowed through, I think, to shock the audience to say, look, change is coming, and we need to think differently to attract it's all about people. People are the most valuable asset a company has. And if you want those people, you want to attract those people and keep those people, this is where the world is moving. So we have to move in a different direction when it comes to the built environment. And he started the program before he got into the statistics by saying many suburban locations are functionally obsolete. And really in our market, that is the type of office environment that we currently have. And this panel, the architects and Jim, are saying we've got to move forward and look, average is dead, he said, and we need to look towards the future to attract what we need to move our community forward. The quote he pulled out, many suburban office parks are functionally obsolete, was actually a quote issued by NAOP as recently as yesterday. I think it was NAOP Corporate or NAOP National. He had the, uh, the credits at the bottom. And 
this isn't intended to be a Gen X or a millennial type presentation, but he was trying to get the shock value of how we have to look at what our workforce is going to be. And when you talk about people, he showed another stat that said, what we pay on our utility bills, we'll pay 10 times that for rent, and we'll pay 100 times that on our people. Right. It's all about people. And the investment is in our people. You know, Tiffany of Where Malcolm, she was fantastic. And, and she, she told us some good stories that maybe we'll get into as well. But one of the things she mentioned that I think flows very well with what we're talking about is that we moved from an age of compliance with Gen X and uh, the baby boomers to an age of choice with millennials. Now, if we, if we circle back to some of the statistics, 43% of millennials envision leaving their job within 24 months, the age of choice. That, that's different. You know, folks don't work at the GM plant their entire career anymore. No, it's changing. And he also said two-thirds of millennials are actively thinking of another job. Another one I thought was an eye-catcher to me, 63% of U.S. executives will be eligible to retire within the next five years. There were a bunch of gray hairs in the, in the room that were a little bit nervous when they heard that one. And before Jim actually spoke on stage, him and I talked about the new generation of even an AOP membership, the gray hairs in the room that used to be the major draw for our presentations and our panels are not the major draw anymore there's a new generation that's going to be talking on our panels. That's right. Yeah, and we've got to be ready for it. So one of the stories when Tiffany started to talk and present, she opened up with a story about Apple. She talked about how her kids saved money for a year to buy a computer. They decided we want an Apple because Apple's kind of the coolest brand of computer to have. So they went in the store with her kids. Tiffany told the, the Apple associate, it's my kid's money. I'm just the driver. So the kids handled the purchase, everything. They paid for it. And when they turned around, all of the Apple employees in the store were lined up. They announced that these guys just bought their first ever computer. And all the employees in the store made a big deal of it and started clapping. And Tiffany was in tears. And this is, what did she say, brand equity? She called it brand loyalty based upon experience. And that, I think, is really the base when you move it to the built environment, into architecture, into the workplace, really the crux of where all our presenters today were going. They're capturing people when they're younger and they're creating the loyalty and creating the trend and creating the behaviors, just like Apple did in that exact instance. Mm -hmm. Her two kids will probably never buy another product. Probably forever, right? Yeah. They'll be Apple for life. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is amazing it, that they just grab customers for the next 65 years. Yep. Unbelievable. She added a few other highlights. Um, she talked about business units being combined. And what she mm -hmm. talked about is corporate headquarters used to be in one location, and the manufacturing and production would be in another location, another city, another state, completely different area. And she talked about the new trend of putting those under the same roof, or on the same campus with common areas and meeting spaces and bringing it all together. I thought this was really cool, and, and actually I think it's really happened in the marketplace. And I think if you go to California, certainly has happened. Maybe not quite as much here, but I think a lot of this is what's coming to Las Vegas, and we've got to pay very close attention. So she was talking about, in this, in this part of it, industrial product. You're combining the warehouse and office, and she said through 
cross-pollination of their businesses. I love all the terms they use. I'm going to start using all these terms because it makes us sound super smart. Are we cross-pollinating here? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> so what it does also is from a price standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. You're, you build a very large industrial facility, which is less expensive than an office facility. And then you spread the cost of the office component out and the, and, and the amenities are spread throughout an industrial property. So the industrial portion is more traditional, less expensive. And overall, you have actually a pretty cost-effective way of making your employees very happy and, and creating an environment that is really positive for your company. And like she said, you use the word cross-pollination. The, the entire organization's working together and meeting each other and raising everybody up. So they, they talk about amenities and, you know, the old joke about the ping pong table and the keg of beer and, you know, all that. And they're, they're really saying it goes much beyond that. And, and it's what they're going to put in there is dependent on the, the culture of the company. You don't just plug something in. It's what is the culture of the company. And another term they kept throwing out, it's not well-building. Well-building was a big one. And they're saying well-building is what's next. So it's the wellness of the occupant. It's no longer lead. Lead is kind of baked into the construction, but they don't go through the process of certifying the buildings, but that's already sort of expected that it's part of the building. And then they add in this well-building portion of it. She's talked about former lead requirements are actually incorporated into many of the new building codes. So they're already building a much better building, and you're getting this lead comparable without the certification. She brought up another interesting data point when she was talking about, Tiffany was talking about renovating existing properties. She had mentioned that uh, renovating properties could raise rents by as much as 70% and mm -hmm. That's increase, a great point. increase the property value by like 60%. Th this is near and dear to my heart. This is something that I've worked on uh, on my day job with Harsh and it's it's redeveloping, it's finding value, it's extracting value out of existing product, and it's very true. If you can reposition properties, you could take something, and if you have a vision for it, an existing structure, and turn it into something that was never dreamed of before, and extract value, and it's a lot of fun to work on. It's a passion of mine, personally, and you know, if, if they talked about Chinatown, okay, and that's she referenced a harsh project. Yeah, and 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 they had dinner at a harsh project last night. Uh, shameless plug for for one of our wonderful restaurants, Partage. Try it, one of the finest restaurants in town. And they saw in Chinatown, you know, these were originally built as industrial buildings. This is now a retail corridor that is one of the most successful in town. It's really the area where locals and tourists go. It's probably the only place in town where you could find an equal amount of tourists and locals. And that's because of creative reuse is how this started. And really all up the Spring Mountain Corridor, you have this. And then they, there's also incorporating the industrial look into some of these spaces. So it's, it's really good. So then Daryl came up. Daryl's from Gensler. Mm -hmm. He also flew out from uh, Southern California area. He may have been San Diego as well. He had an interesting perspective. He talked about Nevada actually likes businesses, which was, I think, really good to hear from an outsider talking about how friendly it is to do business in Nevada. So they're working on Uncommons with Jim Stewart. Much of their permitting, they mentioned, took three months. 
and they asked, how long would this take in San Diego? Do you remember the answer? It was a year. I thought it was two. So it was a long time. Whatever it is, you know, we're encouraging these businesses. And we often talk about California being the gift that keeps on giving. They have such a large economy. I believe it's the fifth largest economy in the world. So if we continue to capture just a small percentage of businesses that, are, that have decided for a number of different reasons to move out of California, this c will continue to be the boom for our economy. I continue to believe that it is a great opportunity. Uh, and it's, it's an opportunity and a risk for us because we need to continue to remember why we are successful as a community. And we that's have a big to part of it. competitive because yeah. there's other states around us that are going after the same businesses. Mm -hmm. you know, one of the questions I really wanted to ask these guys in the Q&A session, and, and we just ran out of time, and there were a bunch of questions that could have been asked, uh, which is always a sign of a, of a quality program. And that question was, what cities should we look to to model ourselves after? And we didn't get to that. And I just wonder what their answers would have been. Oh, we could speculate, but that would have been a great question to ask. Yeah. Daryl spoke about a handful of different, different talking points. Um, he talked about, he called it mobility. Mobility is a big deal where people need the ability to work from home. Therefore, their office needs to be a place that they want to be. Which brings you back to some of the statistics that Jim Stewart gave us at the beginning. 89% of millennials prefer to choose when and where they work rather than being placed in a traditional nine to five. Yeah, it goes hand in hand with the, the trends that we're experiencing right now. He talked about outdoor spaces, adaptive reuse spaces. Um, him and Tiffany were, were very similar on some of the new trends. It mm -hmm. was really this creating this cultural environment outside of the building in a common area where people gather and walk and eat lunch and take breaks? A lot of it is, I don't know if it's community building, but maybe it is community building. And it's something that, you know, Jim mentioned a lot of what exists currently is kind of that soulless office space. And that's fine, but a lot of what's moving forward is going to be these Fortune 500 companies. He said it for Uncommons the most aggressive tenants or potential prospects that he's talking to are from East Coast and their Fortune 500 companies, and this is their strategy, and this is how they plan on maintaining and attracting their talent moving forward. So it's an absolute necessity if Las Vegas is going to compete for these types of companies that we have this type of product. Yeah, he did mention that it's going to take some time, and it's going to take a, a branding for Las Vegas to change the image of what our office space is like what our workspace is like and he used some examples of bringing somebody in from the east coast and say take me to the cool office space and and he's building it he is yeah. it's not there yet no that was his point is it's yeah. not there we have to build it so then we went to q a mm -hmm. you handled most of the questions i think i did i think there were a cut i mean though you could have been there for much longer with questions you had to filter them down um, what did you come up with? So what should we expect in Vegas on well building? And Tiffany, again, she kind of alluded to the cultures of the company, wellness. Uh, and, and Jim chimed in and said, this is not hokey. A wellness work environment. It's not just a flowery, feel-good kind of thing. It is creating a wellness work environment that creates an atmosphere that employees actually work better, they feel better, and 
subsequently they will stay longer and generate more productivity for the for the organizations. A little bit more about Daryl here. Um, he, he believes in general there's going to be an amenities arms race, and he also is. He talked a lot about the building in the third place first. Now, he didn't get into this, and this was another question that wanted to be asked, but my sense was the third place means the common areas, the public areas of all these, the outdoor areas you just mentioned in in some of the projects, these large, for lack of a better word, atrium, but that, that's probably an old word, creating these communal environments. He showed some photos of where Culver City vertically the integrated hub. the landscape mm-hmm. into the buildings, and that's what I'm thinking of old atriums yeah but it's a completely new twist on that yeah it was current it was hip it was cool it was using to to divide office spaces and what what they're what they're saying is spaces need to bring people together it's mobility bringing together talent has choice you have freelance workers remote project workers and you need to have a place where they want to come not just where they're forced to come because we're in the we're in the age of choice now they they have to want to be there jim hit on a couple things we mentioned this you and i mentioned this earlier in our talk uh jim said las vegas has to shed the image of a gaming capital and create a new image the the capital of debauchery he said he did say that too because he he had three different points where he went to our image yeah. And I think it's a very, very valid point of branding Las Vegas for business. And he he did actually use Nashville as an example. That is a model for that. They were known as a honky-tonk town, and now they're known as a place to do business. So, you know, there, there's something that Las Vegas can learn from that. It It took time. It took years. But if it's something that can be started today, it, we will see the impacts. So all three panels were from Southern California, and I guess the overarching question is, is it realistic to see the trends that they discussed uh, influence how we develop here in Southern Nevada? That's what we're going to see. We we do know that there's a few projects that are under construction, and in the next three years, we're going to know whether these trends take hold in, in Nevada. One other item I'd like to talk about is on the industrial side. They talked about multi-story industrial and this is to me and they did mention brooklyn new york and to me this takes me back because as a kid i'm from brooklyn and i used to drive past these old what i know now to be industrial buildings they had freight elevators they were multi-story and it's like back to the future this is happening in seattle it's happening in multiple markets now they said it's it's coming but it's that last mile space and it's going to be in more urban dense areas we're probably they said a decade away from that in las vegas but i think that that is a trend that nationally we need to keep an eye on because it will come at some point as land becomes more and more scarce companies like amazon are changing the way buildings are built and the way the product's being delivered well sean uh do you have anything else to add i think that's a wrap that is a wrap thank you so much sean for being my co-pilot here today Special thanks to Hyam for trusting me to host this episode. Those are our takeaways. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please 
Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.